0: Welcome to Becoming Digitally Resilient with IDC Industry Thought Leadership. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, very happy to be here. Today, we're talking about becoming a digitally resilient retailer. Let me give you an overview. This will be the first of three podcast segments on this topic. Very important. Retail brand amplification is an important ally to the consumer in 2021. As retailers find themselves at a crossroads, they can double down on technology enabled growth, or mm, they can continue operating as if the consumer's expectations haven't changed. And I'm parenthetically say, hiding under a rock somewhere. Listen today and learn how data Analytics, automation, and cloud are fueling an acceleration in growth and amplifying retail brand strength and customer loyalty. That's the goal. We'll hear insights from IDC's retail analyst team on what it takes to become a digitally resilient retailer. This is the first of three podcasts, as I mentioned, and our first session is operational transparency and automation. My special featured guests today are Leslie Hand. You can wave for the audio, for the video, for everything. We can hear you waving, Leslie Hand. We have Jordan Spear. Hello, Jordan. Nice to have you with us. And we have Dorothy Creamer. Hello, Dorothy. So they're going to explore how retailers are responding to calls from customers for more transparency for seamless engagement, and for a plethora of bespoke omni-channel experiences. I love to say that, and I need to know what that means. So, Leslie, you're going to explain that to us. Through measures that create optimal flow, delight the consumer, isn't that what we all want, and protect profitability. I'm going to ask you each to please do me the honor of introducing yourself briefly so our listeners, our viewers know who you are. Leslie Hand, you're up first. Talk to us. How are you?
1: I'm great. Uh, Yeah. Hi, everybody. Leslie Hand. I lead our retail insights practice here at IDC. And um, I spent about 28 years in retail before I became an analyst and and joined uh, the ranks of IDC.
0: Happy to be here today. Thank you. Tell me just a little bit about what you do in the retail insights team. Leslie, what's your role?
1: Yeah, so so you know I lead the team but I also focus a lot on how omnichannel retail is coming together and I like to think about it coming together from the point of view of the store. So the omnichannel store and that's where from uh, your your opening comments, you know, the flow is happening, right? <laughs> how we're delivering goods to the consumer, reaching them
0: better and uh, making sure we give them what they want when they need it. Thank you very much. That is the point. In every industry today, isn't it, Leslie, right? It sure is. Reach them, meet them where they are, give them what they need, and do it at the right time and place. Thank you, Leslie. Welcome. Jordan Spear, you're up next. Jordan, please introduce yourself. What do you do and what's your role on the team?
2: Thanks, Bonnie. Uh, It's good to be here. I'm a research manager covering global supply chains um, on the Retail Insights team. And uh, I look at things across the supply chain, like warehousing and order management and fulfillment, also sustainability. So essentially, the planning and the execution of the movement of goods, um, or the non-movement of goods, as the case may be, I would tell you a supply chain joke, but you might not get it for a while.
0: (laughs) Go go ahead. The dare is on. Tell us the joke. Go ahead.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That, that That was the joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're living with that, with that punchline. Thank you very much. You, you really got me on that, Jordan. I like you. Dorothy Kramer, you're up next. Dorothy, please
3: introduce yourself. Go ahead. Hi everyone. Uh pleasure to be here. I'm Dorothy Kramer. I'm the research manager for hospitality and travel digital transformation strategies. Um, I've been with IDC for about a year and a half. I came from the media side where I Bopped around um, for years, but uh, focusing largely on hospitality and, and travel there as well. Um, and my focus is, as as my title suggests, digital transformation, which was a, a you know a, a, necess- a necessity, especially during COVID. Um, while it, it, I don't know if we would talk, turn it ter- uh, term uh, term it digital transformation anymore. It's just. Um, hotels restaurants and and airlines and travel uh, providers needing to become digital um and it's 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 less of a transformation at this point and just you know a way of being um and that's and that's my focus area but happy to be here
0: Thank you. Very interesting point. If they haven't transformed, they may not have the luxury of just being here, right, Dorothy? <laughs> right. Thank you. Very, very. That's an iconic moment. We'll write that one down. Now, here's how it's going to work. I've asked the lead speaker in each segment in today for this segment. It's Leslie Hand to send me a quote, fictional quote from a song or a movie or TV character that has absolutely nothing to do with the topic, and I'm going to read the quote. Little tiny bit of background. Leslie, as the lead speaker on this segment, is going to explain in her opinion, in her POV, what it does have to do with a segment, and then I'm going to let Leslie get a deep dive, go take a deep dive into the serious part of what the topic is all about, and when Leslie has done with that, we will ask Jordan to chime in, agree or disagree, and Dorothy, and then we'll wrap it up with a closing statement from Leslie, just so everybody knows. So, here's the quote Leslie has selected. The song is Aquarius, a.k.a. Let the sunshine in, the flesh failures. Song by the Fifth Dimension, if anybody remembers, I do 1969, and it was a medley of two songs written for the 1967 musical Hair. There you go. Mm -hmm. And American R&B group, The Fifth Dimension, beautiful voices. Here's the song. I promise not to sing, Leslie. I did when we prepped, but I promise now. (laughs) When the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars, then peace Will guide the planets and love will steer the stars. Stars, this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. I did my best. Leslie, I'm putting you on speaker view. What does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, you know, just reflecting on the title of that song and those first lyrics, um, you know, I, I, uh, I am relating that desire to move towards love, light, and harmony, letting the sunshine in, with shaking the dust off of the old paradigm and doing things differently. You know, it's it's all about having an intent to improve customer satisfaction and customer lifetime value, which means the retailer does better, performs better, um, but also improving the odds that as we experience success as companies so do our partners right and you know so it's so it's this sharing the love and and all of that comes through transparency trust sustainability you know those things really resonated in the 60s and 70s as they do today and in fact Maybe they're even more important today because of the digital nature of the world we live in, um, and and so you know I had two questions for the audience um, related to this song, and that is, did you know that the Fifth Dimension was actually an innovator when they recorded this song? So they were doing a live performance in Las Vegas, so they recorded the uh, audio track there for for uh, their singing. Um, But they recorded the instrumental track in an entirely different city in a studio and then merged it. And apparently that wasn't a commonplace um, event back in uh,
0: 1969. So um, kudos to them. Absolutely true. And I have that in my lookup. I didn't read that. The song is a rarity recorded in two cities, LA and Vegas, then mixed together in a studio. And it made number 66 on billboards greatest songs of all time. Thank you, Leslie. I still remember it fondly. And I still promise not to sing it. Leslie, let's do a deep dive into your topic today. Operational transparency and automation for today's retailer becoming a digitally resilient retailer. Leslie, I'm going to put you back on full speaker view. Talk to us for about five minutes or so, and then we will get some comments from Jordan and then from Dorothy, and then we'll wrap up. Leslie, you're up. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, the the topic
1: is is really important today for retailers. Um, You know, coming through the pandemic, through those historic times, um, the bottom line is the companies that proved – Or had already pivoted to digital operations that had transformed, they were more resilient. um, And they were generally outperforming the companies that hadn't. In fact, they had record. You know, years in terms of growth and prof- profitability, um, and the retailers with the most advanced digital maturity really adapted quickly, right, to those changing market dynamics. Um, and from a from a recent IDC survey, I have some data that really validates um, these this this notion. Um, first, retailers reported that digital transformation investments drove almost 30% improvements in their ability to innovate. So they could innovate quickly. They could you know, turn on a dime and do whatever it was that the customer needed them to do. But probably even more important for retailers that are always looking at the short-term and short-term results, there was a 28% increase in customer satisfaction for those that had digitally transformed, a 23% increase in employee productivity. And a 19% increase in operational efficiency. Like, who doesn't want those kinds of numbers, right? Um, and you know, so then when I reflect a little bit more on digital transformation and the drive to become resilient, um, you know, what does that really look like, and what does that really mean? The first things that really come to my lips are some words that are commonly used in our industry vernacular. So, you know. Um, Maybe they're overhyped words. However, <laughs> they're words like touch free, contactless, digital first, omnichannel, frictionless, and connected. And you know, they're not just words. <laughs> these these are in fact driving uh you know objectives for the future of retail and who we all want to become. And you know, as you know, as important as that is we developed a framework to try to describe how retailers can kind of reach those new objectives, kind of how to become that future uh, retailer um, and how to attain new business outcomes, right? How to, how to perform better. Um, and, you know, uh, before a retailer can really improve customer engagement and operational productivity they have to get to a place where they can manage and surface near real-time data. And it's that data that uh, allows them to connect with their consumer better, to deliver the services that they need to to deliver. So a customer might be wandering around a store or might be online shopping and might wanna know where a product is, or do you you have it in stock or can I get it? And if you don't have visibility to, to inventory data, you can't answer the question. And you might have an inventory number in a system inside your store, but chances are it's not accurate. (laughs) How many times do you go into a store and ask somebody for help and they say, well, I'm not sure, I better go check the back room because I'm not confident in that number. And so, you know, this is really one of the keys. First, um, getting visibility to data and in fact, in another survey of 805 retailers around the world, we asked retailers what their biggest challenges were and visibility to data was one of the top three challenges across every functional area of retail. And for store operations, it was the number one challenge. So, so you know, um, it's a really big problem getting data vis- visibility and without data visibility, you can't get the insights that you need to automate your business and um, to manage your resources more efficiently. Um, so, you know, wouldn't we all like to manage those or or let those precious resources that are in our stores and in our enterprises work more efficiently and be pr- more productive. So retailers really need to work to, to narrow that gap.
0: Thank you, Leslie. Great topic introduction. We have a couple of minutes left. Let's get some reactions. Jordan Spear, you're up. Talk to us. Agree or disagree? Do I dare ask you that? Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, Jordan.
2: I absolutely agree. Um, what Leslie mentioned about retailers being more resilient when they were more digitally transformed and able to pivot quickly is absolutely true, and um, it's what it's what enabled them to meet the demands of consumers, um, which and whose behavior has really changed. And in an IDC survey. of consumers said they would be likely or very likely to choose another retailer if the one they wanted to shop with uh, didn't offer buy online, pick up in store, or BOPIS. And we asked about a number of other uh, types of omni-channel fulfillment offerings like that, and the numbers were similar. They'll go elsewhere without curbside, without same-day delivery, without being able to return a a product to a different channel from the one they purchased it in. And uh, here's a really interesting one. 47% of consumers said they would be likely or very likely to choose another retailer if the one they wanted to shop with didn't give them visibility into the available inventory. There's that inventory that um, Leslie was talking about, fulfillment options and the cost of each before they hit the buy button. So this is, you know, practically half of all shoppers saying I want to make decisions like, can I go down the store, uh, go down to the street, to the store to get what I want? Do I feel like doing that right now? If I don't, can I get it delivered? And how much will that cost me? And they want that all up front, all that information. They want transparency. Um, retailers have to, have to provide that because consumers are no longer just buying a product. They're, they're really buying a time and a place too. I call this fulfillment as a product. And uh, as Leslie mentioned, we saw organizations target Walmart are two good examples. They were digitally mature, and they quickly scaled these offerings up to thousands of stores in in weeks time. Uh, you know, no 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 consumer wants to sit waiting for their curbside delivery for 30 minutes, um, or to or to find you know they come to a store and find they that the website said they had inventory that they don't have. So um, those those uh, stores. We're really able to meet um, meet consumer meet consumer demand and um, and give them what they wanted, and other other retailers will need to pick up the pace with that.
0: Thank you very much, Jordan. A real reality check. We want it when we want it. And I think the equivalent of waiting 30 minutes in your car might be waiting six weeks for a new screen door. I'm just going to leave that one alone. (laughs) How would I know that? Dorothy Creamer, two minutes. Talk to us.
3: What's your thought on what we're talking about from Leslie and from Jordan? Dorothy, you're up. (laughs) yeah a lot of a lot of similarities with hospitality and travel obviously um, coming off the year of Europe, covid really uh, revolutionized how hospitality and travel had to address a lot of issues one of the things was that in order for consumers to feel safer traveling and going out to eat, it was this drive for those frictionless, touch-free, all the buzzwords that Leslie mentioned, experiences. This presented a lot of you know, kind of an unsettling um reckoning for hospitality brands that pride themselves on being super high touch and providing that level of service. For years, these were these were the sort of organizations that said we don't want to put Self help because that's not our business model, and um, and this turned everything on its on its head. Um, IT budgets, according to IDC data, were earmarked for self service um, and via mobile applications. With seventeen percent of IT budgets going to self self um, to self service technologies, um, we also saw that a, a top business priority. Um, for 26% was increasing automation, not only for uh, employee fate, for um, operations, but for customer facing as well. So automating for the employees as well as the, uh, as well as the, the customers. And, um, and we saw that digitally advanced brands that had maybe already had mobile keys in place. um, They were able to pivot well, and they, they, they were able to, to maintain their business uh, during COVID. Um, and But now it has unveiled that this um, frictionless need for frictionless service is even more important. Um, and what I find really interesting over the last year and a half is that there has been a resurgence of these technologies that we had before, and especially in the hospitality sector, had been kind of pulled back on. Um, uh, kiosks is a fantastic example of something that years ago started to get rolled out, um, and they floundered. Um, customer adoption was not there, and so very quickly all these brands that had put in kiosks felt like it was a mistake. They were leading, they were bleeding edge rather than leading edge, and it just didn't work out. And so they pulled them out. But now kiosks have been have a, having a renaissance, and a large part of that is due. Mm-hmm. The, the consideration around user um, user experience, and that was a, a great lesson in terms of if you're going to s- supply um, products to help with this experience, you need to consider the entire journey um, to make sure it's seamless the whole way through. Um, and that's a kind of a takeaway here is when you're when you're trying to move guests toward digital channels, it has to be very well, well thought out. The CIO of White Castle had a great. Um, kind of mantra that she lived by was that the guests had, they planned for the least um, optimal ex- digital experience, which just means that, yes, they want a guest to go through these, in, these entire digital channels that they have in place, but odds are they might not. So how are you going to continue that seamless interaction with the guest if they abandoned in the retail vernacular, abandoned you know, But in, in hospitality and travel, if they abandoned their mobile order or they changed their mind and they want to pick up something in the drive-thru rather than go into the store. Um, and so that visibility into operations um, and the, the entire through line for the experience needs to be considered whenever digital um, is being applied to, to hospitality and travel as well.
0: Thank you, Dorothy. Leslie, what a good conversation we have. We're just about at the end of our time. Leslie, I'm going to give you a two-sentence wrap-up. Go ahead. Close (laughs) it up for us, please.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what I'd wrap up with? That not only did the companies that were digitally uh, resilient and transformed do better um, on a kind of day-to-day performance uh, level, but they also did really well from a market capitalization level. So retailers, listen up. <laughs> when you're staying ahead of the curve these days, you're actually outperforming on a year-over-year basis. But also, um, you know, getting more investment that fuels more innovation. So, um, you know, don't fall behind. It's just not an
0: option. There you go. I want to thank all of you. Leslie Hand, so nice to speak with you. Jordan Spear as well. Dorothy Creamer. Ladies, thank you for sharing your insights, your savvy, your expertise, and your passion for the topic. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, signing off. And remember, this is the first of three segments we're doing on becoming a digitally resilient retailer. Signing off. Everybody wave goodbye. Bye-bye.